You're listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. Join us as we have a fun conversation with certified experts and physicians about health topics for you and your family. It's Your Best Life, our one purpose. Hello, everyone. This is Miriam Lake. This is Sherry Purdy. And you are listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. So today's topic is menopause. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about the pros and cons of hormonal therapy. And just anything that has to deal with menopause and what women go through as they're experiencing premenopause, uh, menopause, and postmenopause. We're going to talk about symptoms, what to expect. Now, just so you know, this happens to every female. It's going to happen to you, so you might as well start taking notes and listen what's going on. And guys, this information is so important that they've made this into two podcasts. So this is podcast number one, but there'll be one uh, right behind this one with more information for us because it is so important. So from here, uh, we're going to give this to Diet in Des Moines. Take it away. Welcome. I am Diet from Mercy One Des Moines Medical Center. Today, I am here with Dr. Valerie Stratton of the Mercy One Comfort Health Center in Clive. Dr. Stratton is a North American Menopause Society certified physician. Because there is so much information around menopause and the different treatment options, we will be recording this as a two-part series. Today's recording will focus on hormonal treatment options, and our next episode will focus on non-hormonal treatment options. Well, I think one of the first questions I have is we've all heard the the term hormone replacement therapy, but what is hormone replacement therapy? Yes, it can be very confusing. So when we say hormone therapy, it typically is encompassing, at least in our conversation here, estrogen and progesterone. So when women take estrogen, if they have a uterus, they must take progesterone to help protect that uterus from the estrogen, just like our normal bodies do before menopause. However, if you've had a hysterectomy, you only need to be on estrogen. You don't have to take the progesterone. So whether we're saying uh, estrogen therapy or estrogen and progesterone therapy, we use the term hormone replacement. Good to know. I have also heard that natural hormones are better for you. Is that true? So the, to, to explain the difference, there's synthetic hormones. And for example, you can do the conjugated equine estrogen which is made from the urine of pregnant horses. And it combines at least 10 different mixtures of different estrogens. So that is a synthetic type. Bioidentical or natural per se, are those that are most like your endogenous hormones. Now the confusing part is that people think that over-the-counter natural supplements or if they go get it compounded, it's more natural and it's safer. But that's not true. The bioidentical just means it's most like your own body. And we have FDA-approved bioidenticals so that those come with with guidelines. They're monitored for purity and efficacy. And your insurance will pay for them for the most part. So um, we recommend to try the um, FDA-approved prescription kind before doing the compounding kind. And the compounding kind is, it's just that it's based on salivary hormones a lot of times, the hormone testing, excuse me. But that hormone testing is considered unreliable because there's a lot of variation during the day with your hormones, just individuals. And there's different 
pharmacokinetics and absorption that make a big difference. So that is not considered a reliable way to manage your hormones. We use how you're feeling instead of hormone levels. So if we're treating you, we just treat you with the lowest dose till you feel better. That's it. We don't have to have you to a certain level. So that's a little bit of difference between synthetic and bioidentical. But once again, you can get bioidenticals through your doctor that are monitored, safe, FDA approved, and covered by your insurance. Wonderful. That's great to know. So let's also talk about some of the typical symptoms that women can expect during menopause. So the biggest thing that we talk about is a term called vasomotor symptoms. Vasomotor symptoms simply entails what we refer to as hot flashes and night sweats. This is the biggest thing women will notice or that they associate with menopause. These symptoms, when you get them, are associated with diminishing a woman's sleep quality. They're throwing the covers off and on, and they don't sleep well. We all have been updated recently about how poor sleep contributes to poor health overall. It can also lead you to feeling irritable, difficulty concentrating, just in general, reduce quality of life. And remember that vasomotor symptoms persist for about 7.4 years for a woman. Wow. Um, And so you can be miserable for quite a long time. And there is no other pharmacological or alternative therapies that have been found to give you more relief than hormone therapy for your vasomotor symptoms. But in addition to that, it can also help with your skin, it increases the collagen and elastin. You have improved skin moisture, moisture, so you get a few less wrinkles. It may even benefit your wound healing. Um, as far as your eyes, you might get a little more dry eye, but overall it can decrease the risk of cataracts and glaucoma. Um, it even helps to appear to decrease dizziness and vertigo and actually improve your balance, which is key to help you prevent falls in osteoporosis. And we know for osteoporosis that it definitely reduces the postmenopausal osteoporotic fractures, both in your hip and your spine. And even in women who don't have osteoporosis yet, it helps prevent those types of fractures as we age. Uh, One of the more interesting things we're finding out lately is uh, that women complain of joint pain as they get older. So we know that they're having arthritis but we know that there's direct binding of estrogen to the estrogen receptors and it can help protect that structure and function of your joint health. So women who are on hormones report report less joint stiffness and pain. And at some point when they come off the hormone, then that discomfort uh, increases again. One thing, as you can already see, when we see women for menopause consults, it isn't just about asking about vasomotor symptoms. We have a list of 10 things that, how is this affecting your mood and your sleep and your hot flashes and vaginal dryness? So there's a lot of good things that can alter. Yeah. Uh, Even like diabetes, that there's like a 19 or 20% reduction of having type 2 diabetes while you're on hormone therapy. Wow. Yes. Another thing we see a lot of is is mood changes. And mood changes can happen anytime during life and you have uh, life-altering events. But transitioning the perimenopause and into menopause is a big complaint that we see. We want women to feel comfortable talking about it. So 
as you transition through menopause, if you've had any tendency toward having a little depression or anxiety earlier in your life, this can definitely exacerbate them or make them recur again. Um, and so it's less so if you haven't had a background of depression, but it can still help. And by being on hormones, that can help stabilize your mood. And of course, there may be, you may need other treatments for your mood too, but just to know that you're not just going crazy, you're going through menopause and it does affect your mood, depression, even, even the thinking, like word finding. Women come in and they're afraid that they're losing their memory, but really they're just having some word finding difficulties. And um, so hormone therapy can help with all of these things. And of course, having better sleep helps with the mood too. Sure. Wow. That's great info. There's a whole list of things that can help, and I had no idea. One last thing I forgot to mention was the vaginal dryness um, that can, you know, you're losing estrogen down there in those tissues. So you have, you know, you can end up with painful sex or just even if you're not sexually active, vaginal itching and dryness. And a lot of women, it's like, why all of a sudden am I getting so many bladder infections? And estrogen is the best thing to help with those vaginal symptoms too. Now, uh, with our next podcast, we'll talk a little bit separately. Estrogen in the vagina is a little bit different than the oral ones. So we'll talk about that with our next podcast. Okay, good to know. Another question is, is hormone replacement therapy considered dangerous? For example, I've heard about there being a link between HRT and breast cancer. Can you explain? And can you also talk about any other risks or side effects? Great question. So yes, to break that down, I would say let's first talk about some of the typical side effects you can have with estrogen. Okay. Um, so when women start hormone replacement, they can feel a little bloating or a little bit of nausea and breast tenderness. And those, as long as they're not too bad, usually just go away. But remember, you're replacing estrogen into a body that hasn't had estrogen for a while. But it's more of the significant risks that you think about. Number one is the breast cancer. Well, when you come right down to it, if you're taking estrogen alone with, and you don't have a uterus, estrogen alone, there was no increased risk of breast cancer, if not a trend toward decrease risk. So yes, when women come in, they've had a hysterectomy, and I'm talking to them about the pros and cons of estrogen, it, uh, at least seven years into it, there was no increase of breast cancer risk. Now, if, you're, if you have your uterus and you're on estrogen and progesterone, there was a slight increased risk. There was about one additional case annually per 1,000 users. But to put this into perspective, this is a risk that's only slightly greater than if you have one glass of wine a day. And actually, if you have two glasses of wine a day, you're increasing your risk for breast cancer more than by taking hormone replacement. And it's also very similar if you're taking hormone therapy, um, it's linked to breast cancer is about the same as if you're overweight, if you have low physical activity, and there are certain other medications that can raise your risk for breast cancer just as much as hormone replacement. So I do want to recognize that there is a link uh, to breast cancer, but putting it in perspective, it's been um, many, many women have not sought care for their menopause symptoms because of this fear of breast cancer. We just have to put it into perspective and weigh the pros and cons. 
The other thing is um, blood clots. Mm. Just like with birth control pills, when you take hormone replacements, you can get blood clots in your legs. However, if you use the transdermal, which is the type of estrogen that goes through the skin, either as a patch or a gel, or even there's vaginal rings that deliver estrogen, mm -hmm. it bypasses the liver and greatly reduces that chance of blood clots. Oh, okay. Yep, and the, and the same with stroke. And in fact, you know, one of the things that we have to do with hormone is definitely risk stratify people. So when you come in, it's not just a matter of, oh, you have hot flashes, you want hormones, okay. No, we have to look at your cardiovascular risk. We calculate your breast cancer risk. Mm -hmm. And if those risks are too high, we will talk to you about non-hormonal options. Okay. But if you have low risks for cardiovascular, low risk for breast cancer, then hormone therapy is on the table. It's especially a lower risk if you're less than 10 years since menopause and less than 60 years old. So like the reduction of blood clots, reduction of strokes on hormone replacement because that's the blood clot, is much less if you fit into those categories. Um, so we do review all these side effects that can happen, but we put it in, in perspective to you as an individual. The other thing is the heart disease. Uh, the one WHI study was stopped because it was felt it didn't prevent heart disease. Well, it didn't in that study, but they were starting women on hormone replacement at age 63 who didn't even have menopause symptoms. Oh. So if you are less than 10 years since menopause, I'm going to say that again, mm -hmm. um, and, less than, or, and or less than 60 years of age, when you take hormone replacement, it can actually reduce your risk of heart disease and stroke. Um, so we go over all those pros and cons with you and is definitely very individualized. That's great. It sounds like when you come in for an appointment, it's a pretty thorough discussion first about the individual's medical history in addition to the symptoms that they might be experiencing. You're exactly right. It can, can be a little annoying because we ask a lot of questions, but we have to know your past history and your family history, let alone ask you all about your menopausal symptoms in detail, and then design a plan that is best for you as an individual, whether that be hormonal or non-hormonal. And that just takes a lot of time, which is another reason why it's hard to address these type of things in a typical office visit with the doctor. Um, it, it's just a lot to go over. Yes, absolutely. It sounds very in-depth and that's great. One last question I have for you on this. How long can a woman physically be on hormone replacement therapy? Is there a specified amount of time or how does that work? Yeah, so once again, we kind of go back to if you've started the hormone placement when you're earlier in menopause, then there's no specific age at which you have to discontinue it. Okay. In the past, people were thinking, oh, you're 65, you've got to get off hormones. Well, you get off hormones and all the hormone advantages that you're having for your body go away. And some women, even though the average length of time is seven years for menopause symptoms, many women are still in their 70s and having uh, menopause symptoms. So what we do is you just annually reevaluate because if you're still having symptoms and you're still in the lower risk category, Continuing hormones past age 65 is definitely different than starting hormones after age 65. Okay. So there's, there's um, 
no have to quit at a certain time. And once again, once you quit your hormones, all those benefits will eventually reverse. So you're going to want to have a, a good discussion of what's what your symptoms are and your goals for your quality of life each year. And the other thing is each year, as you get towards 65, we decrease the dose if we're able to. And, and just that's why there's so many different doses available. We try to titrate it to your symptoms. Most women do come off of them at some point, but there's no like age that you have to. Because definitely we see women coming back at age 65 and a half because five, their doctor took them off their hormones and they're miserable. So if you still need them, you can continue them. Um, And it's just like everything else, reviewing risks and benefits. But definitely that that is old news and not accurate news to have to stop at a certain age. That's great. I think especially for women who are still experiencing symptoms, they are still able to continue the treatment that is helping them. And that's wonderful. So I guess the what I would summarize is just to say, once again, if you're experiencing symptoms, number one, seek care. Don't just put up with them if they're affecting the quality of life. And go to your primary care provider and look on resources such as the North American Menopause Society online. And, and educate yourself about what you're feeling and what you would like to talk about. And um, if those answers aren't there, then look for the North American Certified Menopause Practitioner Mm -hmm. and go for a menopause consult. And then that person will carefully weigh your history, your pros and cons. And like I say, our next segment, we'll talk about non-hormonal options because there's a lot of those too for women who, if you've had breast cancer or you have active liver disease or you have had blood clots, there are a lot of women who can't take hormones even if they want to. And we'll get into all of that in our next segment. That's fantastic. Thank you, Dr. Stratton, for sharing all of this great information regarding hormonal treatment options for menopause symptoms. I look forward to speaking with you about non-hormonal options on our next episode. Thanks again. Thank you very much, Diet. Thanks for that great information, Diet. You guys, we love your feedback. Send us some feedback. You know we love it. And we'll actually um, send your name over the podcast if you send us uh, your feedback. Right, Miriam? Yes. We want to hear from you. And so, as always, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, And as always, you know what? Live your best life. 